Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Hi, we got John Dwyer tonight, director over at Arius Technologies Incorporated, and Jamie Allerton, principal over at Canaptus PR. Hi, guys. Hello. Hey, Alex. Been a busy day. Let's talk about two issues happening on both sides of the border, neither of them pretty. Um, because I think it's pretty clear that that the politics of division is unfolding here in Ontario uh, with news that um, PC, you know, the premier. MPPs, ministers say they are all getting death threats over this issue of labor reforms on Bill 148. I, I can't even call this passion, but I find it deeply troubling. I'll start with you on this, John. Is there any excuse for this? I, I think that's a bit of a loaded question because I think an excuse is ultimately in the beholder of the person that feels disenfranchised. And when you look at what's happening um, as it relates to minimum wage, I think the province has done a fairly good job at, at, at increasing it. But I also think that, you know, the cost of living in Ontario and across the country in all 10 provinces and throughout the United States is, is increasingly high. And Maybe the taxes are just too high. I think it's a boolea base of problems, <laughs> not the least of which is going to be answered by by minimum wage. And look, I, I feel sympathetic for everybody. I feel sympathetic to the to the ministers and the folks that feel that their lives and their you know their families are threatened. But I, but I also understand why people get angry and in and threaten death. Really, we're not talking about the larger populace. We're talking about a few. It only takes one bad apple, Johnny. One bad apple. Let me play you what Todd Smith said today about how he sees this situation. Well, you know, un- unfortunately, we've seen a lot of uh, inflamed rhetoric uh, over this uh, introduction of the bill. And, uh, and I would say that, uh, you know, the, that, that rhetoric has, I believe, led to uh, the activity that we saw last night. Do you blame it on rhetoric, uh, Jamie? I think you look at what the Ontario Federation of Labour put out in their statement. Uh, it was so detached from reality and sensationalized. Of course, it's going to inflame passion. Uh, under no circumstances whatsoever can we ever excuse uh, political disagreement as a reason to go and do violence or vandalism. And I think we are all uh, right to condemn this. But I think uh, political leaders across the political spectrum need to take a deeper look inside mm-hmm. and ask what they're doing as they stir up emotions. Uh, the premier is not anti-people and anti-working class and anti-people of color and anti-everything under the sun except for corporate big wages. If you listen to the Ontario Federal, or if you read the Ontario Federation of Labor's uh, piece, and if you look at what happened south of the border today as well, uh, the way that the president continues to demagogue anyone and everyone who's not an old white person is uh, dangerous as well. Yeah, I mean, look, but but I think Catherine Swift, who I chatted with in the last segment, made an interesting point. You know, we're, we're arguing and hearing all this rhetoric and, and inflamed um, rhetoric over this issue. But three years ago, when, when the Premier Wynne said she wasn't raising minimum wage, why didn't they make a stink then, John? Because really, it wasn't raised all those years and the Liberals could have done it gradually and we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Well, right well I mean, precedent is everything, right? I mean, at the end of the day, what happened previous to uh, the most recent hike was, in my opinion, far too low. As as, as, as 
somebody who grew up in a household where we were naturally inclined to vote conservative, we were Mulroney conservatives. God bless the man. Uh, but for time <laughs> immemorial, <laughs> for time immemorial, I always felt that that minimum wage being held down as a tenet of modern Canadian conservatism was just a fallacy and something that the party shouldn't try to adhere to. And I think that we owe it as an obligation to everybody to make minimum wages high. We okay, are but only, right, but the, we but, are but, only but the as good as the weakest amongst us. Three years ago, and she said okay, no. Well, let's also look at what the government has done here today. With this new bill, they have halted the planned increase for September for January. So it already went up twenty one percent to get to fourteen. They've now put a thirty three month pause, and as of twenty twenty going forward, it'll be indexed to inflation, so that this kind of stagnation for years on end won't be an issue, and it kind of takes the politics out of it. So if you want to talk about nuance, what's actually getting done, this is in response to serious concerns from businesses large and small across the province who overnight had to eat Mm -hmm. a 21% increase in their labor costs for a certain segment of their labor force, and the government's listened and taken a step back. And this is not going to be the one thing that brings investment back to Ontario, but it's part of the broader suite of what they're doing to bring business-friendly environment to help ultimately grow the economy so that not only people can get minimum wage jobs, they can get better paying jobs. Well, Well, that would be the goal, Somebody who's a significant shareholder in a manufacturing company with positions across the province, I know exactly how that felt. And I'll tell you one thing, each and every one of those people that we gave the wage increase into deserved it. So sure, but and- you're talking, we're talking, I'm, I'm, but I, I am talking about the flower shop, the ice cream shop. There are a lot of smaller businesses that, that literally, John, cannot keep up with this. And, and I want to move on to what happened in the States today. Um, but this issue is not going away, that's for sure. But what I know is the, the last government had years to do this. They didn't. And... I wonder where the anger was then, because the labor unions weren't making any noise. Um, But let's talk about what happened across the border, because today, as we're dealing with this, you've got nine, it could be gone up by now, but sent nine pipe bombs sent to different, uh, it appears it's only Democratic um, targets, the Obamas, Clintons, George Soros, even CNN got one of these things. Um, It's way too early to kind of point the finger. But to me, Jamie, it's not a left or or right issue for me. I just think the ugliness and the rhetoric, it's got to stop. Yeah, if you hold a position of leadership, whether that's speaking on behalf of an issue cause, an industry association, some kind of community organization, or you're an elected official, you are entrusted with that role to lead society, to lead those organizations. And the constant inflammatory rhetoric, I think, is a very dangerous road to be going down. I was actually watching CNN this morning, so like everyone else, I woke up to a bunch of notifications on my phone as it related to the Clinton and Soros were the first two that broke. And mm-hmm. then I was watching CNN with Jim Shudo and his colleague, I forget who he was this yeah. morning. Yeah, Poppy, when the alarm started going off, and at first they kind of looked curious as to what was going on, and then when they realized they had to evacuate, it was like quite surreal to be watching. Thankfully, none of these bombs have gone off and no one has gotten hurt. And ultimately, I would say that U.S. intelligence and then... Uh, the FBI will have the ability to find out where these originated and hopefully hold someone to justice. But uh, political leaders really need to check their rhetoric and ask themselves, what are they doing to society? They might win the battle today and they might get another day of positive headlines that they think is advancing their cause. Uh, but if it's to the detriment of all society, that's uh, we're going down a scary road. We are. And speaking of rhetoric, here was the president today on this particular issue. X or threats of political violence of any kind have no place in the United States of America. We're extremely angry, upset, unhappy about what we witnessed this morning, and we will get to the bottom of it. 
I mean, a lot of people, John, will look at the president and say, hello, you yourself have inflamed, um, you know, the situation because of the way you address the media and and your opposition. Uh, But again, I I look at both sides because they both have very bad actors on both the extreme left and the extreme right. I think we live in a in a post-rational state, and I think we're trying to diagnose this thing as something that happened like 10 years ago, and we're like, oh, this is actually, you know, happening in a way that we can diagnose it, and the media is telling it, and not, not to suggest that all media doesn't tell us what we should actually try and uh, create as the truth, but... But we're also competing with the noise of social media, which takes... This is far too convenient. Think of the names. Soros, Clinton, Obama. I mean, these are all these identifiable items. I think this may, and not to be too much of a conspiracy theorist here, this may be a really good way to build a narrative around the idea that they're being, like, identified. This happens all the time. It just doesn't make the news. This is something we're being fed. It it has been uh, circulated that this could just be a stunt for the primaries. 100% Well, we'll see. I mean, who knows? God, God help us if this turns out to be a stunt, because even that in itself shows you how broken politics is. I'm sorry, is. it took that to show us how broken politics is? Well, maybe, you know, I mean, Jamie, to me, politics has never been so ugly. I'm one, I'm one step away from getting off of Twitter because I can't stand the name calling and just the constant bickering. At all. So what I'd say to that, Alex, is it also kind of depends on who you follow and who you engage with. Obviously, you're involved with media. You probably follow a lot more people across a broader spectrum to kind of get a sense as to what's going on. But let's even look at back here at home. We have Faith Goldie, who's literally flirted with neo-Nazism and extreme Mm -hmm. right-wing fascism, Mm -hmm. uh, who, yeah, she garnered 25,000 votes. It sounds like a lot. It was barely over 3%. You can't get more fringe and irrelevant. Yeah, but one's, one's too to many. I congratulate media for not covering it. And so when you have a handful of people cherry-picking people like Faith Goldie and her followers to kind of, like, amplify it and be shocked and horrified by it, I think it actually is best to just, like, not watch the car crash. Keep walking. Yes, I think we need to monitor them from an intelligence standpoint to make sure that they're not going to be engaged in any kind of criminal activity and cause violence. Uh, and that is the same way we follow radical Islamists who organize and sometimes cause violence. Like they, To me, there's two sides of the same coin in that regard. But to kind of paint this all as a picture of the, the whole society is going to hell in a handbag and down the drain, I think that actually over-sensationalizes it. It's also to our detriment. Maybe. Yeah, okay. We'll pause it there. We'll pick up the conversation asking, you know, how many children almost have to die before we actually start taking action against the gun violence in Toronto? We'll pick that up next here on Point. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. We've got John Dwyer and Jamie Elderton for Counterpoint. And um, we heard overnight or learned overnight that... um, a little eight-year-old boy came within inches of getting shot. And if you see the video of this, it is shocking how close this child gets to being hit by uh, the bullet um, being fired from a, a person that got out of a black SUV and I guess started shooting at someone. And this little boy was just running out of his house to go get a popsicle at a neighbor's house. The kids in the neighborhood play this game called Hide from the Black Car. And that is hide from the black car that comes up and, and I guess shoots people and stuff. Take a listen to how the cops reacted to this. Very disturbing to us, to the community, to the family of an eight-year-old boy that was walking across the street, that bullets were whizzing by. It's a miracle that this young boy wasn't struck. And we're so thankful for that. But it's very outrageous that this has taken place in our community. 
And it takes place over and over and over again, John. This is the third child in less than, what, two, three months that has almost been killed in their neighborhood doing what they should do, which is outside playing. And, and, and countless others that become blended into the, the annualized statistics that we see as, you know, whether it's being injured or dying in, in, in gun statistics over far too long. And I think it's it's this incredibly difficult path to cross over to say, do we care more about life or do we care more about guns and can we conflate the two? So what's the solution? The solution, in my opinion, Don't is, you dare is say as gun follows. Ban. <laughs> okay, you're not going to like me on this front. <laughs> what's but happened to you? I can, hold on. I, my family comes from Fogo Island, Newfoundland, okay? <laughs> We've been hunting like elk and deer and caribou for like 350 years and we never used a pistol once, okay? okay? If you get caught with a loaded pistol yes. in Canada and or... That's you know, different, yeah, okay. It's Dude, it's over for you if you mm. have a loaded pistol. I'm talking 10, 15 years. It's done. You're, you are no longer a part of society anymore. That and we be. need to put those kind of exceptionally punitive measures to, 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 to really teach other folks. And I know that it's, it may seem very draconian, but I'm telling you, I don't know what else is going to work because we, we've got to make some significant changes. Yeah, but you know, Jamie, uh, people don't like those mandatory minimums and someone will come out and fight for those charter uh, rights. But again, John, that is one thing that all levels of government could do right away to set a deterrent for these guys. Yeah, I think the deterrent is one on the other, I think is policing on this. Yeah. And I, I don't think that policing actually starts here in the GTA. Mm-hmm. I think it starts where we know that there's regularly illegal, illegal border crossings. Yep. Uh, let's look in the Cornwall, Eastern Ontario region, mm-hmm. and actually start enforcing our laws and start to shut down and disrupt the trafficking of this. Yeah, who's going to touch uh, that third rail? Like, honestly, yeah. what politician oh, is going to uh, campaign how many on? How children do we need to miss yeah. by uh, three centimeters getting shot? in uh, North Etobicoke to start to actually look at this seriously. Uh, the answer whenever we hear this kind of stuff is the police union always saying they need more police, they need more police, they need more police. Their budget's big enough. They need to prioritize this as an issue and actually systemically disrupt the supply chain. That yeah, brings but, 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 to your, but to your point, this is becoming an issue that's getting outside of, you know, I had a discussion earlier with a former member of uh, a provincial parliament uh, prior to coming in tonight, and we talked about the, 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 the kind of the dissension of power from the federal to the province to the municipality. And this has been a, this has been a problem that's been saddled at the municipality for a long time. But you've got, got a willing provincial partner now. And now, perhaps next year, we're going to have a willing federal partner. Hopefully. And that's where it has to happen. This has to be a three-tier solution. Yeah. And I know that we're saddled with a lot of problems on the both domestically and internationally, but we got to address it. And we have to address it now. I agree too. I, it's been. Right, where's the Liberal Caucus on this? The Minister of Science, the MP for Etobicoke North, yep. uh, platitudes about a gun ban that targets the recreational uh, outdoorsmen. Not going to solve this. Where is their cry within the Liberal Caucus here in Toronto? demanding real action rather than symbolic gun bans that are going to have a negligible impact. Oh, I don't know. Where are all the protesters for this issue? Oh, I, yeah, I, they I don't actually, come out. They, you know, wait, like, where's Black Lives Matter? This is an issue that they should come out and say, hey, you know, we're not going to put up with this, and they're silent. I do want to touch upon this. I don't have a lot of time, but there was a bill passed uh, uh, clearing the Senate today, all but ensuring that um, the once popular, you know, theme parks, the water attractions like Marineland and such will no longer be able to uh, exist you know, it would ban anybody from keeping and breeding marine mammals in captivity uh, in a bill that is called S203. And John, it is long overdue, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, it's important also to uh, make mention of the fact that this happened at the Senate. So it still yeah. has to go back to the House of Commons before it goes back to the Senate again and has royal ascension. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's something that's happening, and it's 
it's easy for all of us to say that animals should not be bred and, ca- and held in captivity. And I totally agree. Mm. But there is something interesting to talk about here. And that is that, butts. hold yeah. on, there's something, and that is that marine land actually is the largest uh, breeder of, mm. uh, a successful breeder of uh, whale calves in captivity in North America, if not throughout all of the Americas. Um, but my position was, and I was actually having this conversation, and I can say this definitively, with uh, one of the majority owners of that property, that it doesn't matter because last I checked, they're breeding pretty successfully in the wild. So yeah. this is a colonial hangover. Like, <laughs> let's put them in a box and look at them. We used to do this with people. We need to stop doing it with animals because yeah. we stopped doing it with people a long time ago. I, I agree. Look, Jamie, it's 2018, and to me, with the technology we have, this is just one of those issues that is long overdue. Yeah, to be honest, I don't know too much about the science uh, that you hear some of the animal rights activists. When you see some of the imagery that has come out of marine land and the care of the animals and how they're taken, it's, it's absolutely disgusting. One of the, the kind of the next question for me is if it's not good for large sea mammals, then why do we also have the zoo and the like? And I don't think people are going to want to shut down the Toronto Zoo tomorrow. Those pandas are pretty popular. So. Yeah, I'd have no problem with uh, that either. I'm not a zoo or a... I totally a, agree. Yeah. Let's shut them all down. <laughs> These zoo, Honestly, zoos again, are ridiculous. Like, it's it's just an opportunity for us to go out and feel good about ourselves. Sorry, uh, Jamie? Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't have like, strong opinions about this, but if we're going to ban this as it relates to sea mammals, from what I understand, the Vancouver Aquarium actually does a pretty good job with this stuff compared to some of the horrific stuff we've seen out of marine land. Uh, what's stopping it from also applying to land mammals and other animals at a zoo? Oh, I think it's probably all just a matter of time at this point, but I did think it was an interesting development uh, on this particular issue. Okay, guys, I got to leave it there. Thank you. Appreciate okay, it. Guys. That is Jamie Ellerton joining us tonight and John Dwyer. This is Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.